All right, welcome to Tooth Be Told. This is Dr. Kradok. And this is Dr. Walter Aka. Today we have a, a very special guest. Uh, I know him uh, personally. He's a very smart man. He's going to be uh, giving us the ins and outs of uh, dental insurance. You guys used to work together, right? We, we did. We did. And back back in the good old days. <laughs> Those were the good old days. <laughs> that was like three years ago. I know. More than that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> you have a kid Greg, now? Yes. I have a kid now, and uh, I have a, a a beautiful wife who still uh, who still practices dentistry. Uh, that so was a shout out. Yeah, shout out to just Dr. So, Delari, my, my wonderful wife. I could search the world and never find another. You know, I, he's, I think I have enough brownie points now. You know, he's up. in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he gets a little extra with that. But anyway, uh, Greg Moorhead, um, he's an office manager. Basically, he is... He, his office, let me just say about his office real quick. His office is probably one of the most productive offices that I I know. And I'm, I mean, maybe I don't know the whole world, but I, I believe that what he does and what he provides for his office is incredible. So exactly. we said, let's go ahead and bring the best so he can talk about dental insurance to the podcast listeners and includes the dentists that listen too. So maybe they can actually let's learn something. Let's be honest, something. as dentists, uh, we, we don't know a lot about insurance. It's, we well, know, we know how it's supposed to work, but right. it never seems to, right? As long as you get paid. Oh, see, that's, that, all, that's all we want to know. That's that's a specialist <laughs> mind frame. As long as long as we get paid. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so Greg is here to basically educate us, and 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 the way he is, he's so organized. He even has like a notebook with everything that he's going to talk about. And here we are, just kind of sitting there going, uh, "So, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about?" You know what I mean? So I'm excited that Greg is going to be here to explain everything to us. So please, Greg. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, introduction, Doc. I appreciate that. Oh, I don't man, know that I'm as uh, I don't I don't know that I can live up to that introduction, but I will try. So, Well, you have to. <laughs> you have no choice. Yeah, so I have worked with both of you guys. Uh, I work more uh, often with Dr. Aka now, of course. Uh, and yes, he is a specialist. That's true. But I did work with Dr. Kradok for a long time, too. So again, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Um, so what you guys asked me to talk about was the history of dental insurance and then also some common misconceptions. And I did make some notes. That's true. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> and it. So I'll go ahead and get right into that. The first, the first thing to talk about is dental insurance has not been around as long as something like health insurance. The first, the earliest reference I could find to any kind of health or medical insurance is all the way back in 1850. <clears throat> There's a company wow. in Massachusetts called the Franklin Health Insurance Company was the first sort of mention of any kind of organized health insurance. Dental insurance is a fairly recent phenomenon, uh, which... I think is a weird way to refer to that, but that's what the uh, <laughs> article that I read said. Um, up until the mid-1950s, dental services were all fee-for-service. Wow. There was no kind of organization. There was no kind of network. There was no kind of fee for this or, you know, like, you know, there was no predictability. There was It was all just fee-for-service. So you know? fee-for-service basically is you go into the dentist – the dentist does work on you. You pay the dentist, and the dentist tells you what the fees. And, and the dentist sets the fees, right? And, and says, "Hey, you have to. You, you know, I did a failure on you. That's a hundred dollars. Pay me a hundred dollars." There, not, yep. there is none of this insurance in between, going between, right? And, and basically, that was a, a a whole century after medical after insurance, the first advent of any kind of medical insurance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so dentists, we're, we're behind. We were behind us. <laughs> yes, let's, God, let's, let's just be honest. That's kind of embarrassing. But so, anyway, so, so so that's what. Uh, so of course, den you know, so of course, dentists recognize that. There was a need to increase access to oral health care. And in uh, California and Oregon and Washington, 
1954, there was some organization, and it was actually Delta Dental. I think those of us who work in the industry are all familiar with Delta Dental. Yeah, yes. Uh, and, all of, <laughs> and all of their individual member organizations, of which there are 39, for what it's worth. <laughs> but, so Delta Dental first started this collapse of dentistry. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're saying? <laughs> Okay. I, These I, are the opinions of Doctor Ocker. Yeah, I, only, would, only. I would imagine. I, I would imagine that's that's in the eye of the beholder, right? So, <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, so that created that was the sort of the inception of dental insurance, and that is what laid the framework for the future benefit of what we now call dental insurance or dental benefit programs. And it started out with organized labor unions. So that's that 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 was the initial sector of the population that had dental insurance. So people that were in, labor, unions. in, in the yeah. unions and stuff like right, the steel right. industry and all of them said, hey, we need something to allow us to go see dentists right, at right. a reasonable price. And what I also thought was pretty interesting about that or sort of that early part of or the early stages of dental insurance was that the first plans did not distinguish between in and out of network providers. Everybody was the same. So you can go anywhere you wanted. Anywhere you wanted. Okay. Right. Oh. Exactly. Good old days. So, that yeah. is the good old days. Yeah, that is the good old <laughs> this days. This is where I agree with you. <laughs> that is very simple. <laughs> it does make it simple for, for the, the provider patient, and right? for the patient. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those plans typically had in the typically had a $1,000 annual maximum. Uh, diagnostic and preventive services were covered at 100%. 80% basic, which fillings, other basic restorations, and then 50% major, so crowns, endodontics, things like that. So $1,000, what year was that? This is becoming more and more common through the 60s and 70s where you see these types so of plans. So 1960 or 1970, they're getting $1,000 yeah. towards their insurance yeah. benefit. And what, what is it now? What, what, was, wait, what, what was the price of a crown in, in 1960? Two hundred dollars? Yeah, like, like I, I know. know. I have no. I idea. wasn't. I wasn't alive then. I'm, I mean, I have talked to some uh, of my. I, I don't want to say elders, but some of my mentors okay. who have been practicing. Uh, you know, forty well, plus. Years. How much was a crown back then? In the eighties, mm -hmm. it was about two fifty. So two hundred and fifty dollars. That was in the eighties. So in nineteen sixty, I would venture like one hundred and fifty. Hundred. Okay. okay. Maybe, to go maybe by inflation. even less because that's. That's before Nixon took us off the gold standard, which has led to a lot of inflation since then. See, Truth this, be told, listen, exactly. listen to that education you just got, and it's free. <laughs> but so, so please, you know, Greg, I want you to tell me if 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 it was a hundred dollars. Oh, sorry, thousand dollars, thousand dollars in the seventies. What would it? What should it be now? Well, I think I think it's important to mention that it's still around a thousand to fifteen hundred. So now, yes, many two thousand seventeen. Yeah, and it's still fifteen hundred to a thousand. You know, I get I get uh, dozens of phone calls a week in in our practice, and I do end up having a lot of conversations with patients. And I would say by far the majority of those that have a PPO plan which has an annual max, it's around fifteen hundred. Very very rarely is it more than that. It's eighty percent plus that have around a fifteen hundred dollar max. Um, now. Let's to answer do, your question, Doctor. Yes, let's do inflation. If you know the three to five percent inflation that we know exists um, in the, the United States since then, it should be around five thousand dollars annually. So it's supposed to be five thousand dollars if they continued to deal with to match what, inflation. What inflation is, right? Right. Um, but it's only fifteen hundred at max. Basically, what they started at. Right. So now, who's right. screwing patients over? Mm, it's wonder. It's oh, wonder. Okay. I'm must, not going to get must, into it. It must be us raising our prices. It must be, <laughs> it must be a dentist trying to make a living. Well, the, problem, the, the problem, too, with that, and this is a bigger problem in healthcare, so Please. is that, you know, and this is a many times talked about with relation to Medicare and Medicaid, but is that, you know, when you have these low payouts, quote unquote, for the procedures, 
Those don't take into account things like the cost of repairing or replacing and upgrading equipment, which we all know has to happen. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take into account the upkeep of the practice, things like maintenance and paint and carpet, you know, the cost of people. People are, you know, we just mentioned inflation. So their cost of living is increasing. And at some point, you're going to have to pay for talent. I think we talked about that on a previous uh, podcast about what goes into your price for uh, a dentist. And overhead. Overhead was one of the things that we mentioned. And that's what you're talking about. Basically keeping the office open. Right. 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 Making sure that you have the great assistant that you like in that office. You have to pay them. It yep. may it, it may not be that you know that particular procedure really does cost a hundred dollars to do the procedure from materials and a chair time standpoint, but once you factor in the lights that you've got to keep on and the property tax you've got to pay and so on and so on and so on, yeah, it really does cost that much, and you might be breaking even on some, some procedures and even losing money in some cases. So, do you think insurance is actually thinking about that when it comes to setting those prices? No, no, no. I right, don't. they don't care. Yeah, no. I mean, they're not opening. They're not opening the uh, they, dental they, office. They don't care that you know Debbie is is highly trained as your assistant and and knows her name and treats her well. They don't want you to keep Debbie. How uh, did you How did you come up with Debbie? Uh, it just seemed like a very you know middle of the road name. It sounded like well, a sweet name. Once upon a time, named Debbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he's so mad about it somebody that left. <laughs> he's mad about somebody are, that left. You guys are just trying to make me break down this today, aren't you? <laughs> so anyway, please back on the history of it. Um, the the other thing that these, you know, these Delta Dental plans throughout the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, is it established that concept of UCR, which is usual and customary fees or usual and customary charges that we all talk about, you know, at least on my side of it uh, with, with insurance and with patients. So you're saying that the dental insurance, Delta Dental is the one that actually said, hey, this is what's supposed to be usually usual customary fees. Right. And that's geographic, right? Okay, it's, so it's, it's not unilateral across the entire country. It's, it's geographic. And that is where all the charges start out. And then if you're in network, you accept a lower contracted fee as an in-network provider. So, so, so the universal fee is not universal. It's universal to that geographic region. So you're saying that <laughs> in, insurance says, hey, you have a limit of 1000 to 1500 throughout the U.S., but each section of the U.S. has a different customary fee. So you might run out of insurance faster in California or New York than you would in like Utah. Um, yes. Is that what we're saying? Yes. I, I think, too, that also is the pressure. That puts a pressure towards a different type of insurance in those areas, though. That puts a pressure in California, for instance, on having a higher, uh, what we would call a payer mix of HMO versus PPO instead of here where it's heavy on the PPO because the cost of living in California is higher. So the employers and the patients are going to err or tend to, or trend towards a lower cost for their insurance. So we're going to talk about what HMO are, is yeah, and what PPO is. Yeah. Okay, so don't get don't get right, nervous. Right. Well, we, <laughs> Greg will explain all that. You know, it's kind of like a preview. Um, you know. Just a little bit to tie up on the history of it. Uh, he PPO. loves the history. I love it. I love <laughs> He's it. A history buff. I'm telling you, we could spend a whole episode in just the history. I love it. Go ahead. Uh, PPO. Everything I could find on it says that in 2011 was actually the peak for PPO. As far as the market share, it was around 65%. And what is a PPO? Let's start so with that. So the acronym is Preferred Provider Organization, meaning that there's an in-network and an out-of-network doctor. Um, you can go wherever you want. That's the preferred, preferred provider part of that uh, acronym. But the in-network doctors uh, accept lower fees essentially as a way to funnel patients to, to the practice. So mm-hmm. they know they're going to see more Delta Dental or more MetLife or whatever the insurance provider is patients because they're going to show up on an in-network list on that patient's insurance benefits or on their website, however they access their uh, 
their information. And so the insurance company, of course, wants to pay 100% or 80% of a lower fee, which is the in-network fee. And then mm-hmm. thereby the patient also pays less as well. But the doctor is seeing more patients from that plan. So it's a you're, everybody's giving something up to take a little bit less money. So one thing, uh, one thing, but um, you can go out of network. Is you, the point. you can if go out of network. Patients can go wherever they want. You can go to a dentist who basically accepts this plan, and that makes them preferred, mm-hmm. right? Yep. These these plans are they um, are they set to inflation as well? Like, do do doctors know these fees that they're getting? Because I because I I'll be honest, I'm I'm a part of some of these plans, and the fee schedule is with within a PPO plan. There's multiple plans, correct? You mean is there different levels of in network? Like yes. That? Some do, yeah. Some have preferred or premier or different levels of, uh, yeah, they do. So I guess let's rewind real quick. Let's talk about how a, a doctor even comes about this. You know, doctor opens their office. Let's just say that. Doctor opens their office and they want to get patients into the door. So they go to the insurance and they said, hey, can I see who, you know, you guys have? And they have thousands of people, right, in that area. So then the doctor agrees to take some of those patients on at a lower fee. So far, so correct? More yeah. or less, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. They, they, the doctor agrees to take those patients on at a lower fee. So then the insurance company tells the patient, hey, this doctor right here we're in network with, meaning that we collaborated to give you a certain fee level. Right. Well, and also, too, the doctor, when they sign those insurance contracts, you know, you're obligated to... Uh, adhere to certain standards and certain, you know, standards of care and quality, you know, like you've got to have one of the simplest ones is you've got to have emergency access after hours, for instance, you know, so Dr. Cradock, you know this, and Mm -hmm. of course, I know it in my practice is that, you know, we have to have access to an emergency number where those patients can call. And the reason why we have that, other than it's the right thing to do, is that that's part of our insurance contracts that we have to, patients have to be able to get a hold of somebody after hours if there's a dental emergency, you know. So there's you a just list broke of- down some knowledge because I, I did that because I just, I care about my patients. Yes. I wasn't doing that thing that was a requirement of the insurance. Well, that's great. Uh, so so the know. insurance tells you these are the criteria in order to be a partner, a partner with us. If, if you had some sort of, um, God forbid, disciplinary action against mm-hmm. you, whether it was, yeah, that you know, part, you, that's, you definitely have you, to, you make have that to notify known. the insurance company. So in theory, they're also vetting qualified providers as well that are in network, quote unquote. Okay. So the patient goes and says, I now I have this doctor who's in network. Right. And it's going to accept a lower fee. Right. So explain to me now how that lower fee coordinates with the thousand or the fifteen hundred dollars. So, you know, and this this might be or this is getting into some of the misconceptions of it, but if you've got a fifteen hundred dollar sort of standard plan where your annual maximum is fifteen hundred. That's that's not a check from your insurance saying here go spend this on your oral health. It's not. It's not here's here's a blank check. Go get healthy. You know that's that, that's not how it works. It's we we talk we talked earlier about one hundred percent diagnostic and preventative coverage, eighty percent basic and fifty percent major. That's basically the standard plan that you see out there. Well, that fifty percent of a crown. Let's say the average crown fee is a thousand dollars these days. If the insurance covers fifty percent of that, it's five hundred. It's rarely ever that simple, but let's just say it is for the, for, for argument. Then that five hundred dollars comes out of that fifteen hundred, and you still have a thousand dollars left over. The same thing would apply if you got an exam. That's usually probably around forty dollars. That forty dollars comes out of that annual maximum, and so on and so on. Now the insurance won't start paying that until you've met your deductible, which is a term most people are familiar with. And what that means is. On services that do apply to your deductible, which they don't all, 
the the insurance won't pay anything until you've met that usually fifty to a hundred dollar deductible, and then that eighty percent coverage or that fifty percent coverage kicks in. So, can you break it down for me and just kind of talk about? You know, what is preventative versus what is diagnostic? You know, just give us a few examples. So, so I've, learned, we- I've learned to never say never with insurance, but <laughs> <laughs> to make it simple, diagnostic and preventative services would be exams, x-rays, preventative cleanings for children, at least on most plans, sealants. Okay. Um, and they're usually 100% covered. Up to a certain age, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you said that the next step is what? Basic restorations. Yeah. So most of the time that is just that that is only fillings. I yeah, see. And yeah. percentage wise, what it around eighty percent most. Eighty percent of that is covered. Right, right. Then we go to the next level, major. which is major. And that's crowns. And that's crowns and so what else? Endodontics. Uh endo can sometimes be basic, but usually it's I would say it's fifty fifty on whether it's major or basic for endo. Okay. Yeah. So each insurance determines what kind Correct. of it is, if it's Correct. basic or major. Extractions? Extractions are usually basic, so eighty percent most of the time. Okay, okay. and yeah. then of course implants, uh, implants, perio, <laughs> right? Perio, which and that's is a different, <laughs> and we can talk about that. Perio can be a separate conversation to itself, honestly. Yeah, and we yeah, will. We actually will be. get to that yeah. later. Yeah. It's, it's funny that I said just implants, and you first said perio. Well, because I'm more than an implantologist. That really, uh, I, I know me. I, that really I, angers I, me. I, but that's I, another I, subject. I don't want you know. I don't want Greg to see the side of me. But so 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 we've broken that down, right? We now know that insurance will cover a certain amount, right. of it, not 100%. So if anybody goes to a dental office and thinks that they're going to get 100% covered because they have insurance, they should just turn around and go home. Um, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it's the truth. So the, so the very first thing I wrote down under misconceptions on dental insurance was that there's there's some, calling it insurance is a little bit of a fundamental misunderstanding what the word actually means. Preach. Explain. Preach. So, <laughs> Come on so, now. So yeah. like, like you guys both know I'm on your side here. But, you know, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> so insurance is supposed to be, and let's just ex- exclude healthcare in general, but insurance is supposed to be an equitable exchange to hedge your loss. And so you exactly. have insurance on your home or your vehicle or even on someone's life as a, in theory, you know, Fixed a fixed dollar amount will apply to if you lose your car. Like you know, if your car is totaled out, your insurance company is going to say it's worth this amount of money, and you're going to get a check for that, right? Exactly. If your home has damage or your home is a total loss, you know, depending on how your policy is structured, of course, you're going to get some sort of money for that, so on and so on. And that's what insurance is supposed to be. You're 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 taking you're paying a, a cost monthly or even annually, however the policy is set up, to get a a fair, equitable exchange for loss. Dental insurance doesn't work like that. Dental insurance <laughs> is more of a, will mitigate your losses, but it's not going to be 100% covered. You know Exactly. And so that, it, it's, it's somewhat of a semantic conversation to have, but it really isn't a true one-for-one fair, equitable exchange. It really is just mitigating your losses. So what, what ends up being, the, the problem there is you're right, many patients have, have this misconception that they walk into the office or they go to see the doctor and they're expecting everything to be 100% covered when no plan is really set up like that. And so that can lead to some, you know, misunderstandings. It can lead to some, it definitely leads to confusion and problems with, you know, between the insurance provider and the dentist and the patient. So let me ask this question. Why don't insurances, uh, insurance companies for dental insurance explain that to patients that this is never going to cover in 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 the case that you do need something um actually treated or fixed or you're in pain 
it's never going to be 100% covered. Well, I, you know, look, it's, 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 it's a bit of good marketing because they want you to have the insurance. But I think the problem is also, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, to be, mm-hmm. to, to be honest with you, because what they're going to say is they do cover 100% of emergency treatment. You know, they're going to say, we'll cover 100% of, pal- exactly. of palliative treatment. <laughs> you know, or they're going to say, we'll cover 100% of a filling when that really probably means that we'll cover 100% of an amalgam filling, which is no- the filling that we choose. The feeling it, it, that, exactly. that will deem the, that will do the job. No in doctor, our eyes. no doc in 2017 is going to say, "Let me put a bunch of metal in your mouth." Right? I mean, unless they're a child. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it's funny you say that because I actually had a patient who was looking for a doctor to put metal fillings in their mouth. What was the reason for it? I'm curious. Did what was you? the reason that they wanted metal fillings? Right. Was it I'm, I'm insurance sure it driven? Was, I'm sure it was cost. Yeah. Cost yeah. driven, right? Right. Um, no one wants, I, I've never heard someone say, I want a metal filling because right. I think that's cool. <laughs> you know, I've heard I want, you know, gold teeth because I think that that really works out, but, uh, never a metal filling. But I've been on the, I say, I've been on both sides. I've been, um, before I was a dentist, you know, I had a job. I, I, there was a dental benefit. Uh, and they went over dental insurance and the plans that I could pick. And the way that it was presented to me at a large scale, kind of you know, maybe 100 and 150 employees, uh, was you have a hundred percent coverage. You can see your dentist every time. There's no, there's no maximums. And this is a wonderful dental plan. You know, a hundred percent covered was at least said at least three or four times. And this is before me being in dentistry. I'm like, wow, why don't more people come to the dentist? It's, it's basically free. I'm paying, I pay a monthly charge and I basically can go to the dentist, and get all my needs fixed if I, if I have insurance. I looked at that same plan now that I'm a dentist and I realized basically I can get a cleaning and x-rays. And after that, it's all on me, a hundred percent on me. That was never once discussed with me. And I, to me, as a, as a, as a dentist and also as a consumer before, I just think it's, it, it's, you know, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. They could at least be honest. If patients went in knowing, Hey, this is going to cost some money. Uh, I think they could better prepare themselves or maybe they would go to the dentist more for preventative measures so that they didn't uh, incur costs later down the road. Well, so I have two things to say about that. So there is a type of insurance that's actually geared towards that. Okay. And you'll probably be surprised when I say that in a, in a minute. But okay. The other thing is a lot of times the, the, the choice that they are given when it comes to insurance if you can call it that, isn't really a choice because it's what their employer presents to them. It's right? A or B or if, C, maybe. If if they even have a choice, right? Now, many times there there will be a, you know, like you said, an A or a B or a high or a low option, you know, and obviously the high option will have more coverage and the low will have lower, but that's all they get to pick from. They don't get to say, I want a plan that covers 100% of everything. That's not an option. Well, so how do you make sure that the patient picks the right plan? Like, walk us through. Like, <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm sure. going to be the patient. Okay. Right, because... This is me. I care. I'm going to be the patient. Okay. So patient comes in. Hey, you know, Greg, please teach me how to select the right insurance for what I need. All right. So again, I have this I have some missing teeth, by the way. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, that, 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 that doesn't I matter. I know it does. Would, 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 they, would they, would they, <laughs> but would they ask that question? Would they even care? Would they this is why okay. they're listening to our podcast. Okay. So okay. I get asked that question all the time too. And one of the, the, in its simplest form, what I, my answer is always this. It depends on, how you intend to consume your healthcare, how you intend to consume your, your, your dental benefits. Sure, yeah. And if you are somebody who is not anticipating or knows you aren't going to need any treatment and you are confident that your at-home care is good 
and you are also financially liquid enough to overcome some obstacles if you're you rich. do have an emergency. Yeah. Say let's, you're let's rich. Break it down. You're rich. <laughs> you're rich. You got you got some bands. Then then there is a type of insurance that is better suited for that. Okay. okay? And what is that? Uh, that would be a DMO or a DHMO. Okay. Okay. So you don't have a lot. All you need is just like normal cleaning and, well, and that's it. So like, let's let's look at what those words stand for. It's dental maintenance organization. And it really is a maintenance plan, meaning the doctor with the way that the plan is structured is incentivized to keep that patient healthy because the doctor gets a capitation payment every month for everyone on the roster assigned to that practice, assigned to that office or that doctor. Let's slow that down. So the HMO is what we're talking about. Yes. Yes. Right. And you said capitation. Right. So what is a capitation? It's a payment meant to cover administrative and the preventative and diagnostic care for that patient monthly for everyone that is assigned to that that doctor. So the doctor gets money from the insurance if they see the patient or not. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Uh, what fraction of, of money do they get for that patient? It's a relatively saying? small amount of money. Okay. Okay. Um, but the, the point is the, the incentive for you, the doctor, mm-hmm. is to keep the patient healthy, keep them on routine, whether it's preventative like pro- pro- prophylaxis type cleanings or if they need perio maintenances. If you see decay or, or if you see something that needs to be treated, you treat it early on. Because that that way you're doing less low cost and honestly free work, okay? And then you're still getting that capitation every month. So the the onus on the provider is keep that patient healthy. So, so you don't need to see them very often. You don't need to do a ton of interventional care that honestly you've accepted lower fees for, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and then that way you still get those capitations every month. So let's sum it up real quick. So in, so HMOs. The doctor gets a certain amount of money, no matter what happens, yeah. if the patient's on the list or if the patient comes to the office or not, they get yes. that money, yes. right? And th- But they agree to accept really, really low yes. fees for that. Yes. So it's actually beneficial for the doctor to not let that patient uh, get a crown or anything at all, just something small and, and, and it's less invasive. Yeah, I think there's two ways to say that. I think that it's it's beneficial, yes, to keep them healthy, which is which is the idea there, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But then in the cases that you have these sort of punctuated times where there is an emergency or there is someone that has trauma and you know, you know you're going to probably get it, you know you are going to get a lower fee for that crown that time, you know. Um, you know you probably are honestly going to refer out more specialty work that you maybe could do yourself because the fee is quite low for a root canal for a GP. Oh, I love it. I love it. So basically what you're saying, let me explain to what he just said, which is really, really great. And, and again, tooth be told, right? But what he basically said was whenever you have those cases where the patient needs more, you're actually inclined. It's more beneficial for you and your office to send that patient to a specialist that may actually get more because if you do it, you're not going to get that much for uh, for that treatment. So maybe an extraction might be way less, won't even cover your overhead. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Well, an extraction is a good example, but I feel obligated to say mm-hmm. it doesn't mean the patient is getting a lower standard of care. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not, yeah. we're not agreeing. Right, no, no, right. no. We, we, yeah. we've been vetted. The, the doctor's been vetted and everything. And, and the insurance says, hey, you're actually going to a good doctor. So we're going to assume that that's what's happening. What, we're going to assume. What, what does that mean, though? That the doctor's. What, what does it mean that the, the how does the insurance know the doctor is good? Look, let's just for the sake of argument, we're saying that the doctor. That's good. also another podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the doctor may not always be good, but we're saying for the sake of argument, the doctor is good. But what you're saying to me is it's beneficial for that doctor to actually send you somewhere else, even if they can do it themselves, send you somewhere else because they're not going to get paid as much. 
for that procedure, correct? Yes, it's beneficial financially. Yes, okay. yes. I like the way he said yeah. that. So, it actually sounded a little better. So, if you're a patient that has that assign that it basically says I want to do a, a maintenance a maintenance plan a DHMO plan, you should expect to have inconveniences put on you because if you do need some treatment, the doctor who has been seeing you before for maintenance, uh, it's not going to be profitable for them to see you for major treatment. They're going to need to to send you somewhere else. I feel like Greg is trying to be very politically correct, but the truth is, is, is no, that I'm way, that's, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it that way, we're taking all well, the like the like these are people out of it. We're just looking at it as straight numbers. This is, I mean, this is this is this is something that happens. Again, I I, I think that it depends on the situation. It right. is somewhat situational, right. um, you know, and it depends on which 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 perspective you want to have there. As the doctor that that patient is assigned to, you are getting a benefit for having that patient mm-hmm. on your roster, mm-hmm. you know. And so there are going to be times when you may have been comfortable doing that treatment, but you would rather send it out. Sure, of course, those those times are going to happen. Uh, but the benefit there also usually is, and let's just take example of endo. Mm-hmm. If you're sending someone to an endodontist for a root canal, you're going to be doing a crown. You should be at least. Okay, right. Well, that's another ta- another right? podcast. So. So it's 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 not like you aren't getting to do treatment. It's not like you aren't staying busy. It's not like you aren't getting paid. And you're going to get a lower fee for that crown. But you are going to get a lower fee for that. So again, <laughs> no matter what you do, you're still you're getting, getting a lower fee for that crown. And so I guess people need to understand. Oh, here's something that I actually well, heard. And, and let, tell me if I'm right about okay, this. Sure. Right? Some patients that have HMOs, they can call the dental office, and they'll you know the dental office might say, hey, you know, we only have an open in like three or four weeks from now. Sure. That happens, right? It does because, happen because again, you, they're trying to you know minimize their cost. So the it depends on your business model. There are definitely dental practices and dental uh, big group practices, multi provider, multi location practices that do focus on HMOs. And there, it's just sort of let's just get as much as we can, as many people as we can assigned. We'll staff the doctor with multi, you know. There'll be 12 hygienists and three doctors and every doctor's got four or five columns on their schedule and they're all double booked and you know you're going to show up and wait. And yeah, you're still going to wait two months for an appointment at a, at a place like that. But that model is built around as many people being assigned as possible. So they can, just, collect, they can collect that. Just uh, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. Throw it at the wall see what sticks over and over and over again. And that works. There are lots and lots of places out there like that. You know? Right. So I think what – I would say to anybody, you know, family, friend, or whoever that has an HMO is you have to be cautious because, you know, to the dentist, they may not be looking at and saying, oh, wow, I'm so glad that Mrs. Smith is here. They might be saying, well, you know, I'm not getting that much from Mrs. Smith. So let me either push her back when it comes to her insurance or or when it comes to her appointment or send her somewhere else because I'm not getting paid that much. Okay, so let's so be honest. Let me let me say one thing before I before I respond to that. The All second right. part of the conversation that I have with patients when they ask me about insurance is beyond. Okay, so I, I would say if you don't expect to need any treatment, then a DMO may not be a bad idea for you because what what ends up happening is this: is you are saying I'm going to pay less per month to have this insurance plan. Beautiful. Okay, but again, in those sort of punctuated equilibrium type times when I do have trauma or I do need treatment, I understand I'm going to have to pay a little bit more. Than I would if I had a different kind of insurance, which is a PPO. So way higher cost per month for the plan, but less when you're in the doctor's office. Okay. Gotcha. The there are strings attached to to the money on PPOs that aren't attached on, on on HMOs. HMOs don't have annual maximums most of the time. HMOs don't have deductibles most of the time. Okay. Um 
PPOs always have, almost always, excuse me, have deductibles. PPOs always have annual maximums. And there are all kinds of frequency limitations and other exclusions and waiting periods that don't apply to HMOs. So they're both good and bad, right? There's, there's not a perfect dental plan out there for anybody for the most part. What I tell people to distill it down and make it as simple as possible is if you want to pay less per month and you know that you can shoulder that higher cost down the road if you do need treatment, then an HMO isn't a bad idea. And really, we talked earlier about the whole peak of PPOs in, in 2011 being 65% of the market share. There's a reason why HMOs are becoming more prevalent, and that's because now with the Affordable Care Act, people have to be offered the have to be offered coverage, and the, the the cost burden is lower on the employer and the insurance provider and the patient for an HMO, except when you need treatment. Except when you need treatment. Except right? when you need something done. <laughs> right. Go ahead. And so, except when you need a dentist the most. <laughs> and so and so because that's the least expensive way to increase access. All right. And so. Right now, when the focus is all on increasing access, that's where the pressure is going to push on insurance. It's, it's going to go to HMO, you know. Um, when most people think of insurance, they think of a PPO, though. They think of, I have deductible and I have a 50% coverage on this and so on and so on. So PPOs work, just work differently. HMOs are – it's different ways of getting the same number over time, though. Right. Over time, if you were to analyze what's cheaper, it's probably still an HMO. But it's not that much different. I tell people every day, and a common example is a filling. Filling's probably a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, okay, depending on where it is in the mouth and the number of surfaces and all that, right? That's a PPO fee around one hundred to one hundred fifty dollars. Let's just assume we've met your deductible, okay? So let's just say we choose that that lower cost at a hundred dollars, and it's eighty percent covered. You know, you're going to pay about twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Factor in your deductible, it's probably sixty or seventy dollars once it's all said and done. Well, that filling on an HMO is probably fifty bucks. I see. So you're paying yep. fifty bucks or you the patient's paying all, fifty yeah, dollars. Either way. 50, bucks. 50, 60, 70 dollars. Right, right. Either way, in that in that range of cost. Right. So the PBO Except the matters. Place that you go to get the fifty dollar filling from the HMO because they're worried about all these costs may be less than qualified than the PPO. Let's let's be honest there. Well, that's you. Well, I'm not gonna say all no. that. And, 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 and that <laughs> I'm, so I'm that saying was, that you just basically put a blanket out there, right? I guess I, I see what you're saying in the sense that like their whole point is to try to get people in and out as soon as possible for HMOs, correct? Is that what you're going uh, with? That? What I'm saying is people want a certain – they expect a certain experience, right? They're all, they're, you're talking about all this quality and okay. the insurance selects this provider. But essentially, they're just saying whoever will take this fee. So they don't really care what – you don't have any priors. You didn't kill anybody. <laughs> um, you, you have two hands. You can see you're not blind. Okay, you're a provider of choice. Uh, to me, that's, I mean, it's, it's about money for them. So let's be honest. Well, there are people right. that are driven that like the way that they choose to consume their dentistry is driven by cost. Those people are out yeah. there for sure. Yeah. So exactly. H- HMOs yeah. you pay less yeah. uh, monthly. But uh, you should until- expect less from the, de- well, my point is you should expect less from the dentist who's providing that. If that, Both, if that's the yes, key. That's the key. Yeah. Business wise, I see what you're saying. If they just want quantity. And yeah, you should expect that. You're not going to be, the red carpet will not come out for you. Don't you expect uh, uh, waterfalls in the uh, lobby room <laughs> and uh, to be greeted by, you know, a nice person right. uh, holding a latte for you. The the exception there, though, guys, is going to be with pediatrics. Oh, okay. Pediatrics are actually really, so specialty in general is mm-hmm. actually pretty good on the HMO side. Okay. But with pediatrics, the difference is that let's just forget the age limits that are involved because they're, they're different. Mm-hmm. 
they actually pay really good. So <laughs> they pay really well. Excuse me. If you're a kid, it, uh, <laughs> if you're so, if you're a kid, your insurance cares. But I want to point out again. <laughs> I, I want to point out because because on pedodontics, when we're talking about HMOs, again, the focus is still on preventative and diagnostic, right? It's still the payments are still better there than it is on other other types of treatment. So just like with adults, the focus is still on maintenance and on that provider keeping that patient healthy. But and the, ma- and a- the majors aren't as expensive as an, ad- an adult they're dentistry. Not. No, they're exactly. not. Yeah, so I mean, because an SSC or a filling on a kid is much less costly and time-consuming than it is on, on an adult. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a kid, an HMO is actually really good. Yes. Blanket statements. Yeah. Well, no, true. Up, up to the age yeah. of about seven. Up to the oh. age <laughs> <laughs> after, so after seven, you're seven done After seven, you should just get rid of your child. <laughs> just leave them somewhere. Just leave them somewhere and just let them do whatever they want. I'm not a parent, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's good. Okay. So we know that when it comes to uh, HMOs, yep. they, they do better with kids and stuff like that. Let's talk about PPOs. We've okay. talked about HMOs. We know that initially you pay less monthly, but if you need anything more than just a fill-in, you might have to pay more. Yep. Got it. Yep. Let's talk about PPOs and how PPOs work. PPOs are what people are thinking of when they think of their dental insurance. It's it's that deductible and 100%, uh, 80%, 50% coverage, depending on what the you know, classification of the procedure is. Um, it's, of course, not that simple. <laughs> you know, there are uh, limitations. Uh, there are exclusions. Um, you know, the common ones would be, for instance, you know, you can't go get an exam anytime you want. You know, uh, you can't go get a cleaning anytime you want. You know, exams are usually only covered twice a year. And that's all exams, meaning routine and emergency. Um, preventative cleanings generally are only covered twice a year. Uh, some plans do offer additional coverage for um their members that are pregnant. Uh, some plans do offer additional coverage for their uh, people that are in peri maintenance uh, programs. Um, but by and large, you know, everything has a limit on it. You can't just go and get anything done anytime you want. Um, uh, also, many PPO plans uh, for the, you know, it's nice they do pay on crowns, nice they do pay on bridges or even implants in some cases, but many of them have uh, the dental version of a pre-existing condition clause called a missing tooth exclusion, which says that they won't cover to restore uh, any tooth or even in some cases any tooth in the entire arch uh, if you were missing that tooth before you got the insurance. So basically, whatever problems you had before, screw that. <laughs> screw that noise. It's on so you. So if, if you had a tooth missing it, before you had that, that specific plan, yep, you will not. It will not be covered. Correct. Replacing it will not be covered. Replacing correct. it will not be yeah, covered. Correct. Okay, so let's. I actually had a patient, uh, one of our listeners, ask me a question that was very interesting about PPOs. They said she said that if you have gum disease, mm-hmm. if you have bone loss, right, then her insurance actually covered for the deep cleaning. Mm-hmm. But if she needed um, surgery from a periodontist, mm-hmm. they didn't cover that. No, no, sorry. So, so she had deep clean. She had a deep cleaning done. Mm-hmm. She has bone loss. The hygienist or the doctor said, you need to go to a specialist, a periodontist, to have surgery done. Because what we're doing is not adequate enough. Right. To- but the insurance didn't cover that. So explain to us why she has a PPO that will cover something. And then she she said that they they considered it, um, she didn't say aesthetic, but she elective. used an elective. Yes. So I think there's two things there is that, you know, don't don't forget that just because your insurance plan does have coverage towards periodontics, that doesn't mean that everything that's considered a periodontal procedure is covered. The situation you're talking about sounds like someone had a deep cleaning or, you know, clinically they mm-hmm. had a scaling and root cleaning done 
and then they needed osseous surgery. Right. Right. And so what then becomes the problem is there's it's, it's likely that that plan, in this case, doesn't cover osseous surgery or they only cover it in a fairly narrow scope of circumstances. You've right. got to have – you have to have had SRPs within a certain, you know, uh, time frame. You have to have certain pocket depths and you have to have a certain amount of radiographic bone loss and so on and so on. That You have these limitations that come into play and what the – I think the bigger picture idea there is that there, there's a fundamental misalignment from some people on the way that they think insurance works. They think that whatever my doctor diagnoses is what's best for me is going to be covered by my insurance. And that's just not the case. You know, you guys aren't obligated to diagnose what the insurance covers. You're obligated to diagnose what is best for your patient. Exactly. And those things don't always align. Okay. Right. They certainly can. And and it's, it's not uncommon if they do, mm-hmm. but it's equally as, as, uncommon for them to actually be the same thing, right. you know? So I guess my question is, you know, if you don't do the surgery, you're right. going to lose that tooth. Yep. So why would insurance not cover that? Because in the end, that person is going to lose that tooth. So this is where I'm going to go. I'll, I'll give a disclaimer. This is my opinion only, not mm-hmm. the opinion of Tooth Be Told or whoever else, you know? No, well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. probably my opinion too. I'm you you don't speak for us. Okay? <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have lawyers. We can't afford any. So, so I personally think that what's happening there is that the insurance company is hedging their bets. You know, there's a lot of really smart people who work and they have actuarial, who work at these insurance companies. They have degrees in actuarial science and they know that for the most part, most people only have their insurance for about 18 months and then their employer changes it or they change jobs. And so they know that because they need osseous today, they're not going to lose that tooth tomorrow or even a couple of months probably. If they don't pay for the osseous surgery, that they'll have to pay to replace that tooth. Ah, uh, so they basically want to they're wait hedging their until, bets. yeah, they want to wait. They're saying that, right. hey, in 18 months, if you lose that, you're going to go somewhere else anyway. You're going to have so coverage by then. Yeah, it doesn't matter to yeah. us right. if you lose it in 18 right. months because we don't right. have to Which is smart them. on their part, right? The whole, it is. The whole insurance game is, is for you to pay for something that they hope you will never have to use. Right? Correct. Correct. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way insurance works is yeah. you're paying for something you hope you never actually need. Yeah. Right. You would, we all, because we have to, we all pay home insurance on our mortgages and we all, Pay, uh, you know, vehicle, you know, uh, insurance vehicles, yeah. hoping we never actually need it. Yes, and that's doc. That's a good point, though, because that's another fundamental change in the way that people view their dental insurance versus the way they view other insurances. They're expecting to get something and to use their dental insurance and their medical insurance. They're hoping they never have to use their vehicle or their home insurance. Exactly. You know, and so that automatically creates a, a way different dynamic than, than the way that you interact with your home insurance. Though, if you've ever filed a claim for home insurance, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so it's not in the <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. So, people, so. That people that had Harvey, you know, had oh, to deal yeah. with Harvey, oh. I'm sure. Had, oh, yeah. yeah. I thought we were, were we going to talk about that at all. Okay, we can talk about at Harvey. The end, but at the end, at the end. But uh, so really what you're saying is for dental insurance, more than likely you're going to use dental insurance. But for auto insurance, you hope you never get an accident to have to use it. But when right. you do get an right. accident, they cover it 100%. They say, "Hey, we'll clean, we'll fix up everything, make it, make it work for you." But with dental insurance, it's different because they really don't cover as much because they know that you're more than likely going to use it. Well, and, and I'm sure that with auto insurance, that there's lots of subtleties and nuances that I'm not familiar with. Right. But again, I think that as a functional unit, it's just different, you right. know, and that you know, at least in the way that it's in the least the way that we understand it, in the least the way that we we you know expect it to work. Uh, and I've seen it work that it's going to cover more or what they say 100% of the cost of the car is, which right. is going to be in many cases closer, I think, than what the cost of a, a crown a or, crown or something, something else. Exactly. 
Right. Yeah. So, so let me ask this, and this can be your opinion, or if you if you know it to be true. So within there, there's basically three major dental insurance providers. Okay. Correct. Uh, three or four. Let's let's let's, let's say a handful. How's ha- a handful? Yeah, okay. A handful. Um, well, within those providers, they just don't have one HMO and one PPO plan. They have many different plans within each. Oh, hundreds. Right? Yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. Is it safe to say that there's uh, hundreds of plans because those providers are doing, um, they're providing insurance for different workers. Some workers that may be gone in, in two years, some workers who may be there for a lifetime. And there's a, and that's the difference because the other, if that's not the reason, there's no reason to me why, uh, somebody, sh- two patients could have the same, uh, in major insurance character, uh, carrier. I'm sorry. Like, de- like um, Delta. They're like Delta. Well, I didn't want to use the names, but like Delta. And they're going to, and one sees Dr. Aka. Uh, they both see Dr. Aka for the same procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, one is covered and one is not. They mm-hmm. both have the same age provider, both have PPO oh, insurance. I see what you're okay. Uh, but there's a different cause. And one goes home saying, Dr. Aka's trying to rip me off. And the other one says, Dr. Aka's the greatest thing known to man because I didn't have to pay that much and I saved all my teeth. I mean, most of the time they both well, they, see that. He that is an awesome person. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Let's uh, not lie. I thought it was then- too deep. <laughs> no, I'm so, so, but I, but, but I think that there again, you know, you have, you have, you have to think about the, the choice their employer gave them with that insurance. If they're a part of a company, let's just say they work for, you don't uh, have to say a name. No, but, I, but I'm, but I'm saying they, the provider is not going to give them the myriad of, of plans available to them for PPO. They're going to maybe give them one, like you said, one high or one lower, maybe two, but are, they're not going to have access to all of those plans. No, it's going to be different because if they work for a really large company that has 10,000 employees or more, the cost per employee and on, on the, on the employer side and on the patient side is going to be lower because there's more people that are buying into that insurance. Exactly. Plan. And so, Bigger companies, these big sort of let's just take again. Think of think of a big company. You've all heard, like an heard oil of. company or something. Big a big oil and gas Exxon company. Exxon Mobil. They actually have good insurance. Why? Yeah. Because there's so many people that are part of that insurance plan. So the insurance wants to work with them, right? And there's because the insurance company is getting money from the patient and from the employer every single month, right? And they've got probably hundreds of thousands of employees that are buying into this plan. So the coverage tends to be better in those cases. Versus a smaller employer that can't have as many people on the plan. So that employer is paying more. The patient's probably paying more. And overall, the coverage is probably still less. So the employer is actually providing or giving options for something that's a little cheaper, which is not going to cover as much. Yeah, so the employer goes to the goes to the insurance company and says, hey, I've got 100 employees. What, what, what can you offer me? And then the insurance company is going to give them some choices based on that. And the employer, whoever does their benefits, is going to choose what gets offered to the employees. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the that's the nuance that I wanted to to just bring up yeah. is that it does matter from the what job you work, right? It does. Plans, yeah, it does. Because it's it it confuses everything when it comes to uh, being in the office for the care. I, I mean, I've had patients with this exact same scenario, right? Uh, where they're complaining about it, but. Um, it's not something that's brought on by the dentist. The dentist no. doesn't look at you and say, hey, you, I don't want it to be covered for you. Right. No, and not at all. Not no, at all. exactly. Yeah, not at all. And it's funny because I feel like some of those big companies cover implants, which is something that's really rare mm-hmm. that 
some insurance will cover. But so those big companies like the Exxons or sure. whatever yeah. will cover those implants because, again, they have so many people that the insurance company wants to make sure that they keep that business. Well, exactly. I think they also have to be very forward thinking. And someone who's actually like vetted it and said, hey, if we give these patients an implant, uh, the option for an implant, uh, the possibility of me having to pay on this tooth ever again in their lifetime goes way down. Uh, and they're, they're, they're going to be happy with their coverage. They're going to pay this happily every mm -hmm. year, uh, and probably not need any other, uh, follow up treatment. I would love to know, and maybe you guys can, this is maybe a little clinical, but I would love to know, for instance, you said implant. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the consensus would always be that's the best single tooth restoration as long as the surrounding teeth are healthy. So I would love to know what the occurrence of having to go back and treat those teeth that you now, for instance, if you did a bridge instead, having to treat the abutment-supported teeth with root canals or other treatment down the road, how insurance companies would, would look at that if that data is out there. I would assume it is. I don't know. Yeah. But I would love to know. You know, So should I pay for an implant You know, or should I not pay for an implant and push that patient towards doing a bridge, for instance, and then how often does that patient then down the road need, need, need a root canal, have to replace that bridge in five to seven years or whatever else, you know? And, you know, what you said actually is very smart because I feel like people look at the, the here and now, yeah. right? They go, sure. oh, well, my insurance covers my bridge. But if you look at the long term and you see that the research says that if you keep, you know, keep that implant clean and you do what you're supposed to do, maintain it, you can have that implant for 20 years. Right. 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 Versus that bridge, which the American Dental Association, I believe, says, what, seven years? Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Creator. 15 years. 15 years? Yeah. Is it 15 years for a bridge? 7 to 15 years. That's 7 that, to 15 years. Yes. Right. Se 7 is the minimal for a successful bridge. Okay. Right. So after, let's just say after 10 years, cut, cut it in half. After okay. 10 years, they have to get another bridge. So now they've paid twice for the same procedure. Same procedure, yeah. Right. Versus once in 20 years for an implant. Right? Oh, So yeah, you've yeah. actually ended up paying double or if not more. For that bridge than you would for that implant. It, but exactly. everybody looks at it and says, well, right now I'm actually paying more for that implant than I am for that bridge. If if I was the insurance too and in, in kind of the way that uh, Greg was explaining, it, an, an implant takes multiple steps. It's not a quick procedure. You know, we're usually talking about a six-month procedure, right? Where if there's lapse in employment or they move, you have the happen. ability that to have happen. that not being covered. So if I'm just if I'm the if I just I'm the devil and I'm going to be yeah. the insurance on this one, I'm going to go for implants because I know how many patients are going to follow up on that. Um, they're going to have to be with me for six months to get the full benefit. It's going to in the end last longer, right? So I'll have less likelihood of me of uh, having to repay uh, on additional procedures on this tooth. And if they leave me before that, you know, I'm I'm not ho left holding the bag, you know. True. I would tell you financially the patients that choose to do an implant um, with or without insurance coverage, honestly, the I, I personally find the occurrence of those that don't come back and get it restored, meaning the abutment and crown, mm -hmm. is pretty low. Right. Because yeah, if they're yeah. financially committed to that process and the amount of time that we've informed them, whether it's me on the operational side or, or you guys on the provider side, the time commitment that it takes and the, and the multiple steps that it takes, the occurrence of those who go... I would say more than six months without without getting it restored, as long as they've been cleared clinically to get mm -hmm. it restored, it's pretty low. I right. mean, that's just my my experience. I'm sure it happens, but you get that implant in there, you're going to get that crown on top. Yeah, because you paid money for that. You paid a lot of money for that implant. You did. I, yeah. I, I, I've I've seen quite a few that aren't restored. Well, <laughs> I'll just it, say that. But it, anyway, that's moved. another. <laughs> you know, uh, 
But I honestly believe that if, if insurance were smart, like in other countries, insurance actually pays for the implants because they realize that in the long term, if a patient has a complete denture and they, they, they have those implants, their health is actually better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes medical insurance covers those implants. Ta- Taiwan has uh, great uh, Taiwan, coverage. Really. Yeah, they place the most uh, implants per capita. I've seen, I've, so I've, I've, I did, and part of, you know, preparing for this, I did see, uh, some information out there. I didn't do a ton on it. And maybe that's something we can revisit later on about medical insurance and how some of the, you know, not just the oral systemic health part of that, but also just, um, the benefits of having medical insurance be involved in, you know, the person's total care. You know, um, I've seen some of that stuff out there. We talk about it a lot in, um, in, you know, where, where, where we work. Uh, but most of the world, at least from what I found for this was still fee for service. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of that's driven by the socioeconomic uh, factors in that specific country. The, the less developed, of course, the more fee-for-service it's going to be, the more it's going to be just, you know, you you find a dentist or maybe not even a dentist. You find a someone who says they're a dentist <laughs> <laughs> um, to go and get that tooth out for you when you're in pain, uh, but you don't seek out dental care at any other time, you know. And so that's especially in, again, underdeveloped or less developed uh, uh, countries, that's that is dentistry, you know. Okay. So there is no insurance, but by and large, to speak of. But essentially, when you break it down, if you have a problem, it kind of reverts similarly to that. You get a discount for it, but whether you go HMO, PPO, you're paying something. Yes, you will always major. pay something. Right. Yes, you will always pay something. Yeah, um, I honestly want to, I guess, kind of wrap up here. Okay. We could go on all day. I you feel seem like. like you're like at a loss for words. Like no, your no. mind is blown. That's <laughs> right. I, no, because too. because I've learned a lot. Much. I've learned a lot, and I honestly think that I hope. I well, I hope that a lot of people that are listening have learned a lot too. And please send us, you know, questions. Send us emails explaining. Hey, what about this? What about that? And we'll answer those questions for you. We'll bring Greg on. You know, if you if you guys. Oh yeah, want I think to. we got to do a part two because yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to learn. There's a lot, and I just don't want to keep going because that'd be like an hour or two, and I I just don't think anybody's going to listen for an hour or two. Yeah, our, you, our you, listeners. You seem like you seem our, like you're tired here. What's going on? Well, I'm not tired, but I the I little will, one must be keeping you up. <laughs> that is very true. Okay. That is very true. I I get up at even if I have a day off, I'm still getting up at like four in the morning. Oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, man. But yeah, yeah. Welcome to it welcome is. to fatherhood. Yeah. Sometimes. Greg, never do it. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Wait, I'm out. Ari, you didn't hear that. Daddy loves you. <laughs> That's, you better say something about your wife, too. <laughs> no, you know, I do miss those days when I had off and I actually had off. I could sleep in late. I don't have that anymore. You, you only know? have 18 years to go. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm excited. We really Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. No, nah, not at all. Thank you so much. And then, uh, honestly, if you have any questions, please yeah, do send, it, send your questions to realdennis at gmail.com. That's right. Especially if you have any insurance questions, we'll bring Greg back on here and, and answer them because I know this is a hot topic for a lot of people. Uh, so definitely send us your questions so we can get them answered. Yeah, let's, All right. let's do it again. All right, man. Thank All you right. so much, bro. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that our professional opinions, the final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.